up next on Inside Champ Car Racing at Mid-Ohio. Welcome to Inside Champ Car. Bill Strong, Brian Belansky. This week on the show, we talk about one of the most amazing racetracks in North America. It is a little bit of everything. Some people love it. Some people hate it. And when it rains, nobody likes it. <laughs> we had a little of that this weekend. Mid-Ohio, that's what I'm talking about. We're going to catch everyone up on that. Our guest this week, our bank racing's Robin Banks. And uh, a... Uh, Robin Robin no Banks. Robin Banks. Yeah. There we go. We all want to say Banks, but yeah. Got it. And because uh, he takes it to the bank. Yes. Yes. I got to remember that. Okay. And our tech tip is a shiny one this week. See what I did there? Yes. I like it. I like it. Bill, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm a little wore out again. Yeah. It's uh, been busy, busy, busy the last two weeks, like it is every year. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we uh, went up to Road America. No, you Really didn't. pretty weather. Sorry. Mid-Ohio. Mid-Ohio. getting ahead of yourself. I've Today, I've had Mid-Ohio on the brain. Um, but yeah, we went up to Mid-Ohio, which is somewhere in Middle Ohio with uh, uh, horse and buggies everywhere yep. on the roads. And uh, some really of Columbus. Yeah. And fun, fun, fun track. Yeah. That, uh, I only got to do a few laps in in my pickup truck. But uh, we, uh, Chelsea, me, Chris, uh, a whole bunch of uh, the rest of the crew all up there and uh, putting on the race for us Saturday, beautiful day or fr Friday. We had a test day. A couple of teams uh, ended up uh, not coming back because they broke some stuff mm. or crashed into stuff. And it's a technical track that you have to be really careful of, be respectful of. Right. If you're not respectful of it, it will come out and bite, bite you. you in the butt. Yep. And uh, it will hurt as a couple of teams found out with their cars during the race. But yeah, Saturday starts out good. Um, seven or I think it was 70 cars, including EC class started the race and about halfway through, we had about a third of them gone, either broken in the paddock. My little flagtronic setup showed an absolute ton of cars in the paddock <laughs> getting worked on. Um, a couple of them, we put on trailers and, and left cause uh, they got kind of wrinkled. Um, the uh, Salins car broke some suspension parts and I think it was suspension or engine or transmission, something mechanical on right. that car and ended up uh, parking it for the weekend. Their second car did pretty good. Got up on the podium Saturday. Um, they uh, ended up finishing, uh, I believe, fourth place or fifth place uh, with the uh, catch up car. Cone Crushers finishing fourth. Bavarian Mustache Works finishing third. 90Racing.com passing Bavarian Mustache Works on the last lap. Uh, to take that second place away from them. And Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, the Mazda Miata won here last year, went again on Saturday. Nice. And they set the uh, best lap of the race at a 142.007. Nice. And then uh, we go uh, wake up in the morning. Uh, staff is downstairs about 5 o'clock in the morning. And guess what? It's raining outside. And we're all standing. You know, We're all sitting there eating our breakfast, having our coffees. And a local person is down there and says, oh, you guys are at Mid-Ohio. I said, yeah. And he says, yeah, it's raining. It's going to be really bad. Something about the sealant they use on the track to patch in all the holes and the cracks or whatever they have um, turned to ice. Oh, and, wow. you know, a lot of people say that, you know, oh, it gets real slippery. <laughs> no. Back in my day, we had traction everywhere. But, you know, yeah, it's we got to the race start and 
guess what? He was right. He was 100% right. Um, we were going, I think, I, I remember watching the Flagtronics. Pace cars out there. Jackie's doing like 28 miles an hour. And all she is doing is complaining that the car, the pace car is breaking traction everywhere. Wow. Un, sort of undrivable. And um, part of it is tires because, you know, these guys have better tires than a rental car or, a, you know, somebody's car will have sure. a street car. Have. But, yeah, it was pretty slippery. Um, a couple cars spun off during that. So we did a couple more laps and then we went green flag racing and there was a lot of issues. There were most of the people out there were able to keep it on track. Right. Most of the teams, but there were some that just their suspension setup, their tire choice, driver skill was just not there. And they were spinning um, off into the grass, off into the dirt. So we went back to uh, code code 35, got everybody under control, cleared off the uh, or pulled out all the cars from where they had positioned themselves on track. That wasn't blacktop and uh, got them racing. Nobody was hurt. Nothing bad. And then uh, we went back to green flag racing after a few more laps to kind of get the track dried up. The rain had pretty much stopped and it slowly dried. It yeah. was that kind of temperature where in, in humidity, where it, it was difficult to dry the track, but we got back to a dry track and uh, Bob Kobayashi was in the, in the uh, TR motorsports uh, BMW. Bob's the uh, test or uh, one of the uh, 3d technicians at uh, or engineers at tire rack. He's the one that measured all your wheel wells so that you can fit the maximum size tire in that wheel. Well, um, and also uh, they all test drive and do some cool stuff out there. And, and uh, some of the management at tire rack who again, get to test drive cars at the track and learn how to drive in these conditions. And, but Bob is the rain master right. and he showed it there. He we've seen him do this kind of stuff at uh, gingerman in the rain. But he pretty much put a whomping on everybody at that track, got that car up top, um, and then it dried out. And that little 318, um, 318IS, I think it is. It's a four-cylinder right. BMW. Just didn't have the oomph to uh, you know, pull right. away from the cars that, okay, now the traction's getting better. They kind of took over. Yeah. But they were still able to do quite well. Um, but the team that did win was our bank racing they took uh first place overall uh that day with whiskey tango foxtrot catching up and doing a 14959 with that little miata um atlanta speedworks in third sent from the gourds in their bmw in fourth cone crushers in fifth and tr motorsports in sixth. so it was a pretty fascinating race uh fun fun to watch fun to listen to but more fun to watch yeah um we uh, did have some pretty loud cars there on Friday. I, saw I did that, post yeah. on the internet about, Hey, you guys are way too loud. Um, most of the feedback was good. There was some bad feedback to me. Um, most of it was from the cars that I fit that were, <laughs> were loud ending. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Nice cars need to be loud. Well, that's right. Yeah. We have rules. Awesome. So, but yeah, and that's, that was, uh, that was mid Ohio. Yeah. We're going back next year and uh, we've got a date. I believe Chelsea got a date already and uh, can't wait because I love good. that place. All right. So let's, let's go to victory lane and uh, listen to the, uh, listen to the folks who won the races on Saturday and won the races on Sunday. And uh, when we come back, we'll have a great tech tip. Stay with us. Here's victory lane interviews from mid Ohio, mid Ohio, eight hour winner, WTF, Justin, that was a heck of a race, man. You guys, uh, 
put up a good fight to those guys at the end. And uh, how was that out there? It was great. It was, uh, it was a little wild at the beginning. Uh, a lot of traffic, uh, but that's that's what Champ Car is, and that's what that's what's really fun to us. So, um, so yeah, it was it was really good. I, I was in the first and third stint. And the third stint was pretty clear, mostly green and and fast, and gained a lot of time. And I think that's what we needed to win the race. If we were any slower in that third stint, we would have been probably second or third. So, so you so you said it was really. Uh, crowded at first we had almost 70 cars start was it just one of those things where you just sit back let it happen and then kind of work your way back up yeah definitely um i've had some instances in the past where i've probably been a little bit too um maybe not aggressive but you know getting through traffic quickly so yeah the track is we started near the back and there were um, i mean at points it seemed like it was three or four wide for half a lap and there's just like nowhere to go at that point unless you want to be the guy that sticks it in the on the outside and make it five wide just to get around a bunch of cars and we weren't about to do that so we, we, we yeah we lost a little bit of ground at the beginning at the very beginning but we gained it back and, and it was good well congratulations winning the eight hour here at mid ohio down here with sunday's winner r bank racing 90racing.com robin bank redemption for yesterday yeah yeah it really was we ran a great race yesterday and finished second had a little um uh, little penalty that um, got us in trouble and um, unfortunately weren't able to win yesterday but uh, t car ran perfect so we were confident today going in um, and the drivers just ran a perfect race today nothing um, car was perfect dave uh, and andrew johnson always build literally the best cars that you could imagine um, the drivers, Mark Bennett, Kerry Steed, and Andrew Johnson were all perfect today. Trying conditions. Anybody that's ever been to Mid-Ohio knows that Mid-Ohio in the rain, there's nothing more treacherous than that. Uh, we were on the Maxxis tires. Um, they stuck in the rain, stuck in the transition, stuck in the dry, uh, ran the same set the whole race, and were able to bring it home. So a fantastic day for us. Um, the 90 racing, we haven't, uh, we haven't raced in a while since the championship. We're pairing back a bit so it was good to shake the rust off and have a great weekend the uh start of this race was pretty treacherous i mean you guys pretty much stayed out of trouble that whole time how'd you do that it was really treacherous well we have a dedicated opener you know andrew johnson's our opener and at this point you know he's probably the most winning driver in budget endurance racing uh probably the winningest driver in champ car history um and he knows what it takes to to stay out of trouble and the pace that's necessary. So I don't really need to offer him much coaching. Um, you know, we actually, the car was good in all three phases. He had all three phases. It went from wet to, to you know, the in-between, you know, um, where you needed the intermediates and then to dry. And, um, you know, we successfully navigated all three you know, and went from the, the wet line to cross over to the dry line at maybe a little late, but uh, approximately the right time. Uh, and Andrews just uh, very rarely makes a mistake. Cool. All right. Congratulations, man. Good Thank win. you. Thank you. All right, Bill. That's some good stuff. Your victory lane interviews, man. I love them. Well, we had a little technical issue with that first one. I, I used a different microphone and it didn't work like I thought it would. And second one, I they took my truck and all my gear was in to pick up all the gear as we closed down for the evening. And uh, all I had was my telephone. I think I'm going to start using my smartphone because that sounded pretty darn good. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. You know what time it is, Bill? It's a ticket, 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 ticket time.
It's tech tip time. This is a good one. I like this. Yeah. So you know, um, you know when you get a, you know, that hair growing everywhere, and you, wait, know, wait, you wait, don't wait, really wait, know how wait, to wait, get it out, and you you have to wax. Oh wait, we're talking about racing cars. I'm okay. sorry. That's a different show. Yes. Kelly so Clarkson. Me, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we have we're starting to get cars in this series that have shiny paint jobs and yeah. aren't painted with a roller or or brush. Though they're still there, and we we love those cars. But um, some of those shiny cars, you kind of want, you know, like like Robin's, like Robin will say, because <laughs> we don't know he said this yet. Um, these races are coming down to the tenths of a second, you know, hundreds of a second stuff. So it's uh, everything you can do to make your car more slippery through the air will help. And part of that is waxing it. Now, sure, you can get out there with the latest fancy dandy waxes, but the old trick with the old school show car guys and even NASCAR guys would use this thing called pledge. Mm -hmm. And it was a can unscented, uh, unflavored, Mm -hmm. and a can of spray, not a bottle, but a spray that you uh, sprayed on your car and wiped it off. Yep. And it would leave such a such a you, you put the rag on it and just slide off the car. Yeah. Po- sorry. Polishing cloth. Exactly. Quoted. And, uh, you know, the, the microfiber cloth and just wipe it off and boom, you have one heck of a slippery car. So much so that you got to be careful what tools you set on it because they'll slide off and fall underneath. But uh, we use pledge in our cars back in the day and uh, it's it doesn't build up and do that funky yellow right. stuff. Um, but it's great for uh champ car also gets the water and the grease off at the end of the day, all those tire stuff, all the tire bits. Now that we're getting stickier and stickier tires, you get all that rubber buildup that will actually just come right off. And so. if you, if you race in a dusty area and you have uh, an incident that involves not using parts of the track that don't have pavement, uh, the dust comes off a whole lot faster, like at 25 miles per hour, instead of like 125 miles per hour. Don't do it on your window. No, 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 no. Especially no, no, no. the plastic Lexan windows. Although we should yeah. have a discussion. We should do a tech tip on Rainex. Yeah. Love love that stuff. So, yeah. All right. Cool stuff. Barbasol. There you go. Barbasol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've already gone downhill. All right. Up next, Bill. A great chat. I loved it. An epic conversation with Robin Bank. We're going to do that next. Can't wait. That's next on Inside Champ Car on the Racing Wire Podcast Network. Every race weekend, you don't know what's going to happen. But with ChampCar.Live, all the action comes right into your living room. The Champ Car Endurance Series is North America's home to real competitive endurance road racing. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car, trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car and trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. Check out ChampCar.Live on the web, subscribe, and ring the bell so as not to miss a single minute of the action. It's fun, free, informative, and it's just a click away. ChampCar.Live. Come check us out. We bring you a front row seat, but you'll only need the edge. Welcome back to Inside Champ Car. I am Brian Belansky. My fearless leader bill strong is here with us and we got a cool guest bill yes we do this guy is a guy who who i I hear the name every week on the show it seems like and that's because they're usually near the top of all of the races when we do our race recaps 
And uh, I've kind of wondered why you haven't had him on the show yet, Bill. What's what's the deal? Why why we waited so long? We've just been waiting, and and this weekend they won a race. Oh, so it's appropriate. Yeah, you know, after they got done drinking their their shakes, to have them on the show. Their sh- and it's shakes. Robin Bank. Yeah, Robin Bank from our bank racing. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Robin. Hello, hello, guys. Yeah, there is a story behind the shakes. It's a a, a traditional victory celebration at uh, our bank racing and ninety racing dot com that. You know, our whole, our bank nation, as we call it, uh, wins a milkshake, um, preferably one with bourbon in it. Ah. If you are of the proper age. Um, and my sister and I, she's the uh, owner, uh, proprietor of 90racing.com, our biggest sponsor. We went out for our shakes last night. Uh, the rest of the team is, you know, you have like a week to, to get this delectable treat. Uh, and, um, most of us have a vow to not drink a milkshake unless we win a race. Um, and luckily, uh, you know, for the past, you know, over decade of uh, budget endurance racing, we've had a lot of milkshakes. Nice. Um, and then there's even a bit of story, you know, inside story is when I started racing go-karts, um, you know, being new to racing was struggling with my results and was getting more and more upset about the results, but I had a milkshake addiction. So, you know, I'm still a little uh, hefty today, as my mom would say, and I was hefty then. And of course, that's not an advantage in a go-kart. No. Uh, (laughs) Anybody that's been to the rental go-kart track will know that, which we as a present company included. Yeah, yeah, we go to the go-kart track a lot as a team and beat up on each other. But as a youngster, I was upset that I wasn't doing as well as I thought I should be. And my mom said, well, why don't you lay off the milkshakes till you win a race without using the word fatty? (laughs) (laughs) The implication was real. And I went from about age eight to to about 13 with no milkshakes and then finally won that first go-kart race um at a track um near home i actually won my first race on dirt at a track called blanket hill speedway in Catanning, pennsylvania which was um at the time run by a now very famous sprint car driver uh named rod george and we immediately went and got that victory milkshake nice and now it lives lives in infamy and um i believe even some other teams have kind of copied it we heard that uh there was a particular Penske win where they all went for um, milkshakes. And I'm, I assume that that was completely random, but we took credit for it. There's an I- IndyCar driver who goes for fried chicken. He's not American either, which makes me laugh, laugh a lot when they win. But uh, very, very nice. That's a, that's a suitable treat. I love for it. A victory, I, would I say. love yeah. it. Yeah. When we, uh, when we won our one and only race, we did the uh, milkshake thing nice there you go yeah i was at that race we weren't running that weekend and um you guys had a great run on both days and i was uh pleased to see you bring that victory home actually finally and that's when i quit i just had done it (laughs) (laughs) so so there's there's lots of sporting uh teams that you know are are futile forever so when you get that victory i i i know what you're saying i've always (laughs) said that you know um, if I ever qualified for the Indy 500, I might just do one lap, pull in, have a milkshake, and call it a day. Yeah, no kidding. 
So, not that I'm, you know, it doesn't look like Indies in my future, but, uh, you know, if I hit that lottery, that's the plan. So Robin, one of the, one of the things we do on the show is we ask where it all began. Yep. And, and you kind of started already, but you didn't completely tell us the full story. Yeah, it all began, um, you know, my family is a racing family. So my dad was into racing and um, he died when I was very young, uh, but he had already taken me to the Indy 500 um, at a, as all the kids in the family, we, we had a rite of passage um, that, you know, as soon as you could last two hours, I guess, you know, without messing yourself that you went to the indy 500 and i did that when i was four and witnessed mark donahue win the indy 500 and i was hooked then um and we had moved to a uh the, the families from pittsburgh pennsylvania but for work reasons he had moved to central pa to a town called bedford which happens to have one of the oldest dirt tracks in the land and every friday night you could hear the stock cars racing at the track and that was the only thing in Bedford that the family liked. Um, and, um, you know, I remember every Friday begging to go look at the race cars and, you know, I had the matchbox cars, you know, you know, 50 of them or something. And I used to race those. And, and unfortunately my father passed away. My mom moved us back to Pittsburgh and, um, my brother, uh, heard of this thing called a racing go-kart in a print ad in the classifieds of the national speed sport news. And he said, listen to this, man, there's something called a racing go-kart. Mm -hmm. And we had had, my dad had, had gotten us a fun cart. Mm -hmm. So we already had driven carts, but we didn't know that you could race them or there was such a thing. And, and he actually got a job at three river stadium, which is where the, the Pittsburgh Steelers played at the time yeah. and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, selling, you know, the vendor selling Cokes or whatnot. And he bought that self same go-kart and the rest is history. Cool. <laughs> and, so uh, cool. karting, you know, karting is still the best, very best place to start racing. You know, pretty much all of the best drivers in the, the past 50 years have, have come from karting, you know, not exclusively, but the vast majority of drivers that you see, in you know formula one and Indy cars and even nascar are are karting based and sure. it just taught us so much and you know i owe a lot to the sport of karting we're still involved um you know we still do it we get people started in karting and you know just love it so you mentioned that you were a little on the uh the uh hefty side and yeah uh, yeah and and, and i <laughs> so husky well, that was good. I was just going to say there was nothing more mortifying as a kid when you went to back to school shopping and you, you are of the same generation that I am. And you had to go shop in the Husky department. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, you know, and and you being a northern boy from Pittsburgh, I imagine that you had to buy corduroys from the Husky department, which was something was even more mortifying. Yeah. And we've always <laughs> been of a certain, you know, you know, I don't uh, I, want to say lack of means but very very middle class mm -hmm. so you know i remember the uh sears yep. <laughs> and uh the tough skins oh yeah uh, brand of jeans uh, you know that was a nightmare <laughs> but did your mother did your mother get tough skins and then put patches on the top of the patches that came on the tough skins oh, mine wow. uh, she was quite the sewer but i don't think she went that far yeah um 
And the aforementioned karting, I was so driven in racing and, you know, the milkshake story drove it home that it actually kept me thin. Um, and I, you know, I'm kind of a bigger guy, even when I'm thin. So I did play, you know, interscholastic, you know, football, but it kept me thin enough that I was competitive in carts and competitive in cars nice. the whole way up through my transition from racing carts into oval cars and midgets and sprint cars and silver crown i've raced just about everything and it really wasn't until after you know losing my you know you know kind of coming back down to to the more amateur racing that i that i got heavy again so what what brought you back down to the uh did, did you guys start out in lemons like the rest of us or did you go straight to champ car no, we were lemons. Um, the, 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 yeah, the silver crown, um, racing was coming to an end, but you know, racing for most of us that are involved is life. Um, as Steve McQueen said, mm -hmm. so you can't just, you know, quit. You don't want to quit. So I got a, a cart and started running, um, what's the long track carts. Right, so I started carts. racing on the, yeah. Yeah, started racing on tracks like Daytona and Mid-Ohio that we were just at and others of that sort um, and was just having a great time at it. And then, you know, somewhere on the internets, you know, which were still, you know, relatively young at the time, a 10-year-old phenomenon, um, an article came across my feed about this thing called the 24 Hours of Lemons. Um, and their first race or two was in California but really weren't 24 hour races. And then they were doing one at a track in flat rock, Michigan, a small, very small oval track that I had also raced midgets at multiple times. I had run with the Arca, which is they're more known for stock cars, right. still existing stock car series. They also sanctioned midgets. And I had run with Arca midgets at flat rock multiple times. And they said the race was going to be 24 hours. And I was like, well, you know, I want to do the 24 hours of Daytona and I want to do the 24 hours of Lamar. And then I looked at my bank account <laughs> yeah. and decided that a $500 car race sounded like a much better idea. Right. And I called karting buddies. I called oval racing buddies and said, Hey, you know, how many of you guys want to run a 24 hour race? Of course, everybody does. Sure. Um, that's into racing and um you know we looked at the rule set and you know we decided that the fastest 500 dollars car we could buy was a sob uh, ah. we were not we were not sob people although we in, immediately reached out to sob people who became part of our team and uh the rest is history um on the champ car side um you know i'd say a year or two later um we got same thing came across my feed on the internets that there's going to be a race um at um uh rockingham um the yeah. nascar track and uh, that was the first east coast champ car race and this one sounded way more up our alley you know while we enjoyed lemons and it was a good primer you know for a true racing person it, it left some things to be desired and the idea, um, you know, of making it a little bit uh, more professional appealed to us. So we immediately entered 
um, the, that Rockingham race, which was scheduled to be a 24 hour, but got shortened to a 14 hour, which was actually fortuitous based on the tire wear at the track at the time. And so, so ultimately our team dates back to the very first yep. East coast lemons race and the very first East coast champ race. We are a founding team. That's cool. That's the one that's the Rockingham race is what the first one that Ed infinity won, right? Did he, win um, that? No, he won the, the Florida one. He yeah, there were two Rockingham races. We won the second one. Um, the first one, I believe, was won by the Mercedes team known as, um, oh, what were they called? They weren't Blitzvenning. They were Blitz and Benz. I oh, yeah, Blitz and Benz. That's right. I remember yeah. that. They were fast. Yes, one of their drivers later, you know, much later, uh, drove for us. Um, I believe their um, team boss was having some um, unfortunate medical condition. I believe he passed away, actually. Yeah. Before we get too deep into the champ car stuff, um, you mentioned Silver Crown. For folks who don't know, Silver Crown is uh, back in the day was that those were the cars that all the IndyCar drivers drove when they weren't driving IndyCars um highest level of 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 sprint car racing without wings so it's not like the world of outlaws cars um uh and some massively amazing cars who who did you race against when you were doing doing the silver crown cars uh who didn't i race against yeah, that's in why i'm asking because you 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 were of the era the, yeah the late um i was i was in silver crown in the late 90s and early 2000s and it was routine to have uh, 65 cars show up trying to make a race of 30 cars. And it was literally a who's who of American open wheel um, drivers, uh, you know, ex IndyCar drivers, um, future IndyCar drivers, um, you know, future NASCAR drivers. Uh, I always claim my, my biggest accomplishment in, uh, Silver Crown, and I'll tell anybody who will listen, is that I that I beat Carl Edwards, uh, you know, two time, but he finished NASCAR championship twice uh, in second, I believe, and beat him heads up, uh, out qualified him, out ran him, you know, uh, at a race in uh, Irwindale, California. But um, yeah, lots of guys. Uh, the late Dave Steele, who had run IndyCar for Panther Racing, yep. uh, I raced. Uh, uh, Tony Stewart, um, Jeff Gordon, um, Casey Kane, JJ uh, Yaley of NASCAR. Yep. Um, you know, did, did you ever um, do Thursday Night Thunder? Um, we ran IRP a lot, but yeah. the Silver Crown races were were not on Thursday. The Thursday Night Thunders were midgets. Right. Um, the Silver Crown races were always on Saturday. I did appear on one of the you know espn i think they called it speed world or yep. something at the time with dave so Despain. yeah yeah with dave Despain yep. and ran at the mick yard uh you know at, at uh florida that was also you know we opened up for the indy cars a lot sure you know, the silver crown cars came to be when the the rear engine cars came to america in the the 60s i guess and the roadsters became more and more obsolete right and then the, the sanctioning body USAC, uh, United States Auto Club at the time, didn't want to lose the front engine cars, 
And, you know, at that time they called the front engine cars Silver Crown and it's not used anymore, but they called the the Indy cars, the Champ rear cars. engine cars, the Gold Crown. Yep, yep, that's well, right. They were the Gold Crown and and um and then the series the series, you know, you know, diverted at that time. But um lots of you know uh, probably I didn't mention but probably the most famous current Indy car driver that ran Silver Crown is Ed Carpenter. We oh, yeah. ran yep. Yeah, we ran against Ed Carpenter a lot. Um, uh, I hope he gets that Indy win. I know he's had the pole, you know, three or four times, and I root for Ed every every year. Um, root for him. He now just runs the ovals because he's from an oval background like me. So Th- thank um, you for always- thank you for appeasing me. I'm a huge midget champ car world of outlaws. Uh, Silver Crown fan. I just I love that racing yeah. and uh, being a Midwest I ran one, boy. One 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 World of Outlaw race, although I did not make the feature. Um, in fact, the the claim to fame there was I came very close, very close to wiping Steve Kinzer out <laughs> <laughs> in a heat race, and my whole crew who had seen this were like grabbing wrenches with which to defend themselves. <laughs> yep. I can Should see I that. have actually taken Steve out, uh, but apparently it was told to me over and over that he is such a talented driver that he, in fact, avoided this out of control jabroni <laughs> from Pittsburgh and uh, went on to win that heat race. The heat race, too, I look back, I still have the info from World of Outlaws, you know, it's typed out and given on like a the ditto machine and i look at that and the heat race was like amazing it was like steve kinzer and sammy, sammy swindell yep yeah. <laughs> it was it was crazy and you know this absolutely no name guy that i used know, to love watching those guys when they came out to phoenix to race and well, uh, oh, yeah. he just dominated yeah Manzanitas fight the track yes and robin i i live close enough to irwindale where on saturday nights i can hear the track from our from our place and, that's awesome and at the end of the night we we know when the racing is over because they blow off the fireworks and i walk outside and i can see the fireworks from our from our uh the well, open up my garage door and and i can stand out there and watch the fireworks at the end so yeah i know exactly so, all of that stuff so good so good so silver crown is actually the top level of yes. USAC racing now wow yep. yes yes it is um and they're uh i amazing races to watch the the Silver Crown races are generally on the big, the biggest tracks, the one mile tracks in a lot of cases, and they're hundred mile races generally. So lots and lots of strategy, a little more strategy than you would have in a sprint car race. A lot of things that are applicable to um, endurance racing, a hundred miles in one of those is an endurance race. So um, these got how, what, 500 horsepower, tiny little short wheelbase cars. Yeah, they've got uh, big no, block, no, small block Chevys. <laughs> yeah, uh, a little more power than that, Bill. Probably uh, uh, in my era, they're more now. In my era, it was about 850 horsepower. So um, about equal to like an E30 then? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. No, actually like a Saab Turbo. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> almost, as, almost as powerful as a Saab Turbo. All right, we got to shut Bill up now. <laughs> so, <laughs> moving on to the Saab Turbo. So, you know, we, we all started racing about the same time in champ car and, and you guys were kind of, whenever, you know, our bank racing showed up, it was like, ah, okay, I'm shooting for second. There's no way I'm going to be able to get them. And, um, I, I was talking to, uh, Mike Chiswick one day and I'm like, how the hell is he getting that sob to go so fast and last? There was nobody else in the series that was able to make a turbo car last. nobody. And 
our bank is out there just doing it. And, and Mike looks at me and says he spent all his money as back when you would spend money on you were allowed to spend X amount of money on the cars. He said he spent all his money on the downpipe. And I'm like, I go over to the car and I say, oh, oh, OK, I get it because there's no there's nothing in the cars, no cool shirts, no fancy timers. Did you guys even have radios? Uh, we've always been pretty minimalist, that's yeah. for sure. We're yes. we're you know kind of proud of doing more with less. Still to this day, um, you know, and doing more with less. And the the Sobs, you know, um, that they were ahead at a lot of things. Uh, the you know, in in that time frame, you had to use your you know your stock engine management. Yeah, and. Um, um, the Saab engine management, you know, is debatably better, you know, in, you know, the, the engine management in a 99 Saab, I would say is arguably better than what's in any 2022 coming off the factory line. Well, um, Saab makes jet airplanes. I mean, come on. Yeah, the software and the ECU were light years ahead of their time. Um, you know, they, um, you know, they don't use uh, a knock sensor. They use the ionization within each cylinder to determine optimum burn rates. You know, they had coil on plug before anybody else it uses the, the spark plug as its sensor. Um, it's, uh, you know, therefore knows what's going on in each cylinder, can adjust each cylinder independently, um, do a lot of great things. Um, so, and then the engine itself, um, it's a Saab engine, but it traces its history to a Triumph engine um, and is just way overbuilt. It's, uh, you know, it's as strong internally as, you know, the strongest American V8 engine. It's so overbuilt uh, for what it does, and it doesn't turn very many RPMs, so it's lumbering along. And um, it has a, a ton of torque and, you know, it really does get the job done. Now you, you as a team manager, have you driven with the team or was it, were you just always a team manager? Oh, no, I used to drive all the time. I don't anymore because, um, you know, uh, mostly because, you know, we're so driven to win that we, you know, we make decisions on the fly. We put people in their best position um, to help the team. And I'm more useful as the strategician, as the title is called, and than I am as a driver. Uh, but I had, you know, quite a few wins early on. And I still race. I, I haven't run anything this year, but... Last year I ran, you know, I'm a big, you know, Indianapolis file. Um, right. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway is hallowed ground to me. So, um, you know, SCCA ran the runoffs for the second time at Indy last year. So I went and, you know, um, the first time they ran it, I decided I had to get an SCCA car. And, um, you know, that league is sort of out of my budget. But I found the class that was for us, for, for me, which was H production, which was a bit of a builder's class. And um, throw out a props to Mike Ogren, who is the, the engine builder on my H production car, who um, had a champ car team there for quite some time. Yep. And, you know, I got a car from him that was an ex-champ car. And we, you know, 
kind of put it back to SCCA specs. And, um, you know, when I roll it off the, you know, open rusty trailer at Indy, I'm the popper of the place, but Mike knows what he's doing and I know what I'm doing. And, and, you know, we got a pretty good package and was able to finish 10th out of, I don't know, 40 or 50 cars in each production at the runoffs last year at Indy. So I could still wheel, um, you know, I'm, I'm positive that, you know, if I got in the car at a chip car race, I would be able to, to meet the minimum expectations of an R bank racing driver there still, you, you know, in any given race, it might happen. So speaking of Indy now, there was this, this running bet in the champ car live studio about who would punch bill strong on <laughs> pit lane. Now, <laughs> There was, there's been a few times where it's come close, but I think I was the most afraid at Indianapolis. The first year we went there when I stuck the microphone in your face and said, what happened? (laughs) And I think your, your, the, the, your, your, your wrath of champ, the wrath of champ car was now pointed right at me at that moment because I had that shirt on. It probably was. Well, it definitely was. But at the same token, that's not the closest that you've come to physical confrontation <laughs> with an r team member at a champ car race. Absolutely. I can think of one where the rest of us thought you, uh, uh, we had a, a road Atlanta event where an axle failed uh, right towards the end. And we have one of our drivers, um, a very famous new Northeastern dirt modified driver, uh, Stephen Denton, who is one of our Saab, uh, best Saab mechanics. And he's known to be able to change this axle quick enough to get us back in the race. But this one had gotten so hot that it had seized itself inside of the transmission and wow. he couldn't get this axle out. And he's beating on it with a hammer and I think he hit himself in the face with the hammer and you were down there trying to get the action live. And, uh, you, you probably almost got hit with the, the right fist hammer. <laughs> in my case at Indy, I, 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 rec- I don't even recall what, um, Oh, I know what a black it was. flag. Yeah. So what happened was, and I was down there watching it. Andrew. Yeah. I believe it, yeah go ahead. Andrew's uh, colorblind and I, and I, I knew it was, he was in the car and your front driver there, Andrew was behind the front driver or your I don't, the guy ahead of you. Um, yeah. And that sob saw, or they, they both checked up for the yellow flag and that guy sped up and made a pass and Andrew went with him and when he shouldn't have or uh, something to like, like that. And it was yeah. like, Oh, and the flagger called it in and boom, he got hit for passing under yellow. But it was it was a lot to do with I think Andrew following the other guy and the because he had already passed the yellow. Interesting. He passed, yeah. yeah, he just passed it. And of course, you get black flagged, and it takes a while because there were so many black flags that day. Um, people pat you know, I I think people weren't used to the FIA type fencing to where it was yeah. hard to see some of the flags. And the flagger had to kind of reach out from the little hole there on the, on and the home. Not have, I, I don't know. I just, you know, yeah. you just 
up in the tower. Well, to this day, you know, I'm going to throw out uh, something that I imagine the membership will all concur with. Well, they won't, you know, some will and some won't. Uh, my biggest pet peeve with the budget endurance racing is what we call, you know, the death penalty penalty, any penalty, any penalty is a death penalty. The league is so competitive. Um, you know, if I was put in charge of champ car, you know, the first words that would come out of my mouth is no. If anybody wanted to change anything, hey, I'd like to do this to my car, no. I'd like to change this rule, no. Um, I'd like to do this, no. Uh, the, the, the series has had basically parity uh, for the whole time with the exception of maybe one car currently. Uh, you know, like this week at Mid-Ohio, the, 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 there was a gazillion cars all within such a small window of speed you know, the top 10, it came down to execution. Um, but, uh, you know, a penalty, a first penalty needs to be something that you could recover from. Um, maybe a drive-through, you know, no stop for a clock, no stop for a talk, no two minutes, no five minutes, which might as well just, you know, take money out of teams' pockets. And it doesn't really penalize the person that, you know, penalizes the whole team and not the actual person um, or, you know, and if it has to be longer than that, penalize the person and make it just a mandatory driver change. And you could do a 45 second driver change as opposed to a sit there for three minutes and have money stolen out of your team budget. I think, I think you're right there. And I think what's, what's happened is that at one point in champ car, in chump car, champ cars life, you could recover from that because it was a much slower, more diverse or not yeah more yeah. it was different whereas now like you said it is just so close and we're getting to the point remember robin when you know we first started this out and we'd look at the pros and say well you know when they're at the 24 hours of lamar they have to they're floor you know they're sprinting from the drop of the flag all the way to the finish line there's no letting up there's no resting it's it's a race from the start to the finish and we were more like the old days where, okay, you kind of start out slow and you kind of work your way through, make sure things last in the last hour. Or so that's when you really pick it up. But we're to the point now where I don't think it's like that. I think it's a sprint from the start. It and pretty much is. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, the technology is going to make the penalties go down some. I'll give a shout out to Flagtronics, you know, this weekend at Mid-Ohio. Um, the system worked pretty flawlessly from my opinion. Um, you know, the driver's going to be able to see when it's yellow locally, when it's yellow, the whole track, you know, previously it seemed most of the passing under the yellows were, you know, the local ones, um, that just spring up and a driver's concentrating on what he's doing. And, you know, the local yellow usually caused more crashes than it solved for people hitting into whatever was the problem. But, um, you know, the flagtronics is definitely going to lessen these to where, um, you know, there's not going to be as many. So I would, like I said, like to see when there is one to think that it's probably more incidental than not and come up with a smaller penalty that doesn't ruin a whole day. And, you know, now, you know, with the, with the purple 35, you know, making up time is going to be even harder. So, you know, on the, on the code 35 because what something we talked about it for for us in the tower 
it's awesome because we, we don't have to put out the pace car. It's a virtual pace car. We can get back to racing quicker. We can get people out to clean up the mess or pick up the car or whatever quicker, and we can get back to racing quicker. So basically, you're getting more seat time at race speed than sitting, sitting around following a pace car. But there's that problem of you could get stuck when those that when that code 35 comes out, you could get stuck in a position with which is what happened to uh, TR Motorsports at, at Gingerman where you've got to do a whole lap at 35 miles an hour where the guy in front of you now, he's already in pit lane getting his pit stall done, pit, pit stop done, and is back out on track before you even you can even come around sometimes. So and, and there's no more catching up with the leader. Like if you're trying to catch a leader, you could use that yellow to your effect to good effect to, to get closer to them. Whereas now with that code 35, you can't, I mean, th- does that change how you, how you run the race from the pit? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to go into much more detail than that, but yeah, it, it, the unintended consequences. Yeah. It changes strategies thoroughly um, throughout the race. Um, there's all kinds of, and yeah, you're, you know, the yellows have always been, you know, a little bit of, you know, fortuitousness of when it comes out and um you know you you absolutely can uh, although it could happen under the previous you know system as well where you've just passed pit lane and the full course yellow comes out and then the second place cars 20 seconds behind you and he's able to duck in to make the call that the full course came out he's able to duck in and you know get the bulk of his five minutes or maybe the whole five minutes um pit stop done under you know under you know um under this purple um 35 for instance at mid ohio um you know the the lap times under purple were about three minutes and 15 seconds so if you caught that and then the next guy misses the first three minutes and 15 seconds of the purple getting around the track and then say it goes back green in five minutes team a that snuck in got the whole thing you know three minutes and 15 seconds of their five minutes or four minutes of their five minutes where you might only get two minutes of it it could make a huge difference but that kind of thing could happen under the other system as well but it definitely changes the strategy a lot now with the impending release of flagtronics what we call um what do we call it it's uh <laughs> I, I use it oh flagtronics track director the user which will show a map of the the track and have every car displayed on there um will that help you better um coach your team on what needs to be done it's the ant you know the following ants around the the track I know that Bill Riley has said he wants that in a big way because that's what they use in IMSA. Um, having that available to you in Champ Car is that going to be a, a big help to you? Um, you know, I've kind of got that going on in my head already. <laughs> um, you know, where cars are on the track, just based off of you know, um, you know, we usually know. Although sometimes we do have to call a driver and say, "Where are you at at a particular time?" When some some strategic crossroads comes out um you know so you know having it there will be a help but it might help other people more than it helps us Ah. um does it equalize it in the pits where the guys like me that really had no clue how to do math um in their head (laughs) 
can actually look at this now, tell how far our bank is behind me at mid Ohio when I have, you know, a two lap lead and one more pit stop due and Robin's hot on my tail. Yeah, it, it very much could. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think of the technology worked great at mid Ohio and I'm more excited about eliminating erroneous pass under yellows, whether our fault or whether ticky tacky, um, than I am, you know, the strategy, the strategy is going to be the same for every team. If, if they, you know, figure out their own strategy and apply their best strategies, it's, but it is going to change the, uh, you know, the face of the race was different at this mid Ohio than previous mid Ohio's. And, and, um, you know, before you could afford to take it easy, knowing that eventually there, you know, as long as you didn't take it too easy, there will be a closing of the gap much as there is in a NASCAR race or the 24 hours of Daytona. They always brag about, you know, how close the races are. Well, every 45 minutes they bunch up and they allow, right. You know, everybody to pit at the same time. They've got the yellows purposely long enough so that everybody can stop, you know, like, and you can, yeah. And you can gain laps back. You know, there's, there's 24 hours of Daytona cars that were, you know, seven laps behind at the five hour mark and they get them back. They didn't do that through actually making up those 21 miles on the track. They, they made it up, you know, two miles, you know, just waiting for lucky dogs and, and yellows. So that strategy, you know, that's going to go away in, in chump car, champ car. Um, you know, it, you're going to, you're going to need to stay closer to the leader at all times because you're not going to have a way to catch back up synthetically. Right now, one of the future, you keep talking about the Pascal or yellows. One of the future tools that will be available in champ in a Flagtronics will be a notification that somebody did pass under yellow, where they did it, who they passed, that kind of stuff. So that'll be kind of cool. And well, they- yeah, I mean anything you know from a from a team manager basis, anything that can take out the the um, the subjectivity of a passing under yellow is great. Um, you know, the, you know, if we pass under yellow and we literally were staring off at the stars or did a dangerous move, why then, you know, that driver does need, you know, talk to, and there should be a penalty, but many times, you know, it's a move that's already set up, you know, you've already, you know, you've got it slower traffic. You've already set this move up. You're in, um, you know, you're at the limit, your directory direction and trajectory are already decided and the yellow comes out. Well, at that point, you can't just lock up the brakes, drive straight and slam into a guy for a possible yellow. That's seven tenths of a second down the road that you will avoid easily at the time that you get to it. You know, you know, a lot of times that's, that's the kind of passing under yellows that are getting called and, you know, the driver or or you're just simply screened you know you're making a move on somebody and you can't see through a sob you can't see through a crown vic you can't see well, through that, a right and that was some of the problems that we had with being in the toyota mr2 was it was so low in some of these bigger pickup trucks and you know sanford and son stuff and enterprises you just could not see around sometimes and right. some of the 
Yeah. They just, you know, the corner workers aren't positioned in a place that's conducive to you seeing them all the time or in a, in a timely manner to where you're, you're hitting the corner. Cause you are focused on that turn and, and not looking at the flaggers most of the time. Cause if you're looking at the flagger, you're going to hit somebody. Right. And, and we have a diverse field of cars. So the context clues of somebody else lifting oh, are not yeah. always there. You, you know, they're lifting because they've got a lift and you and and you can't differentiate that between them lifting for a yellow and you know we look for those context clues and we've got you know a system of trying to get our drivers to pay uber attention to it and yet still get our fair share of you know of passing under yellows but so do pretty much i can't say all leading teams but you know we've seen lots of times when we were like the beneficiary of it and we're like man that was ticky tacky yeah right so this weekend you did pretty well took a second actually the the honda last lap or second to last lap ended up passing bavarian mustache works and uh took the place um for you know took took over second place right at the flag uh and then sunday you guys take home the win Correct, correct. The the Saturday race, um, you know, we're doing math, as you said, which is a common thing to need to do. We're doing math the whole way, and we're like, oh, we're gonna catch the second place car a lap too late or on the last lap. You know, it was very, very close, and and it was a case where I'm sure they were doing everything they could because they had were turning their fastest laps of the race. Um, and we were turning our fastest laps of the race and, you know, some of it just comes down to traffic and we were like, you know, just one, you know, you, you know, one case where you need the lift rather than, than having the free ride, you know, you know, clear ride through, you know, Thunder Valley and, you know, the, the, the S's down in the foot of mid Ohio, you know, if you catch a guy at the wrong time, you could lose you know, three, four seconds by the time you get to a clear place to pass. Um, you know, the Honda is a very handling oriented car. So getting bulked much like the Miata is if you get bulk, you can lose a lot of time. So we told the driver, man, try and plan your, you know, look ahead and plan your, your passes ahead. And he was able to do that. It was a great race on the, on the last lap. Um, so that, that worked out well. And, and then on, on Sunday, we were able to win the race. Um, the rain at the beginning, Andrew Johnson was, you know, Andrew is, you know, really the backbone of the team right now. Um, the team still has my name on it, but it's him doing all of the heavy lifting, him and his dad. And, you know, we're still using my techniques and my strategies, but they're doing all the real work. And he's a heck of a driver. He, ran a fabulous opening stint. It couldn't have been harder. Um, you know, mid Ohio is notoriously treacherous in the rain. Um, any series has tons of issues, you know, whether it's IndyCar or IMSA or whoever at that track in the rain. In fact, I was proud of how well champ car ran. I saw a couple of cars get damaged. Um, but that was them trying to run at the front. You know, it wasn't any boneheaded stuff. The, and then it transitioned into that that medium, you know, amount of rain, which 
now you're, you know, should you still be on the wet line? Should you be on the dry line? Very treacherous time. And um, Andrew uh, was able to manage all of that really well. Um, we're running the Maxxis VR1 tires. And the good thing about those, we're not running a specialized rain tire. Some of the teams are, um, you know, it was very good in the, in both, you know, all three phases of the race. So, um, and then we had Kerry Steed, um, AKA the pizza man. Uh, <laughs> and he's got a couple of, he used to, we, you know, jokingly, everybody on our team has a nickname and we used to call him the ace of clubs cause he was so fast, but yet he hit everything on the track. And, um, he has grown so much as a driver and, um, he ran two stints and just, you know, it was like Gary Kasparov out there. It was checkmate. That's good. Yep. So Sunday's win, that's like our bank's, what, 7,426th champ car win, right? Yeah. Somewhere just about that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I need to uh, to look at the official um, ledger and come up with how many budget endurance racing wins we have and how many champ car ones. I think overall budget racing we're somewhere that, you know, I should be like counting the days to get to the, the, the magic 50 and know and celebrate it. But we're, we're somewhere close if we haven't even eclipsed that. So um, I'm going to go, go check that out. I have a, a ledger and I've got to add to it and see where we're at. It's a lot. And then Andrew. Even um, on the, uh, um, the VIR 24 and raced thunder hill 25 correct yeah um we actually won a you know um like i said we run on a budget but we are so dedicated to racing as a you know, me myself and as a team um the 125 hours of thunder hill we ran uh conflicted with the champ car east region championship back when it was regional and that was at VIR, not the 24, but a short, you know, the, the typical two-day championship. And, you know, we made the call to split the team up. And a group of us made the long haul out to California to run uh, Thunder Hill. And simultaneously, Andrew and Carrie ran the show at VIR and won us our first champ car championship on the self-same weekend which was a pretty cool thing to do. Yeah. We attended the Western championship out in California at Laguna Seca that same weekend. Cause you were racing yeah. at Thunder Hill. We were in uh, Laguna and then they were out in, in uh, at my home track racing the championship. Yes. And I think at some point you passed us on the way home. We did. <laughs> That's the only way they could pass you. Yeah. Hey. See how I did that. Bill? You know, there was a, you know, Bill, sort of mentioned it before there was one of the early mid Ohio races where Bill's car was in the lead and we were second and we were on divergent strategies. Um, and, you know, Bill asked me this you know, a year or two ago, Hey, what was going to happen in that race? And, uh, you know, I'm sure from his viewpoint, he was going to win it. And, you know, from our viewpoint, I said, Bill, that was going to come down to, you know, some, it would have depended on, you know, yellow windows or not. But I said, you know, the, the scenario for us was that we were going to be right with you 
after the last pit stop and that then it was going to be, you know, we, we, you know, liken our strategy to the game of cards and, you know, we were going to lay down our ace and you, you know, were going to, you know, have whatever you had. And that was going to be a, you know, a car race. It was going to be me with only one stint at, at mid Ohio. Oh, so that's why you guys were up front. Well, I got us in front. We were oh, started. Okay. You know, the funny story there is that I started out and we were in ninth place when the flag dropped. Right. And we're coming around the turn 13 there and I get on the front straight and I swear to God, by by the bridge, I'm in second. We just jumped everybody. It's like nobody wanted to go into turn one. It was wild. We got into second. I passed as soon as we got around the corner because I re- I was real. I, I'd never done any hot laps at the track. So we got around the corner and I'm in first. And I don't know where I'm going other than I know I come up here to a right. We, I think we did the chicane that weekend and we came on, on the club course. So we came around and I'm just lost. I'm like, I, I can't be out here because I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to kill somebody or me. So I saw um, Jerry, not Jerry Anger, um, Anger, what's it? Anger tires. Um, yeah. yeah, he, Jim, Jim yeah. Anger. Yeah. Jim pulls up beside me and kind of motions me to go. And this happened to me in a WRL race at, at a, or no, as a uh, Canada jump, jump car race at, at Cowboy. You guys said, follow me. And so I followed him and he took me around for four or five laps. And then I just, I went by him and, and it was great. And I was okay after that. But the amount of time that I spent on the phone with my friends, Troy Trulio and Jerry Anger and a bunch of others that how am I going to beat him? What do I do? Because I'm not a, I'm not that guy. I can't sit there and go, well, you, you need to pit at this time. You need to do many. I'm like, guys, you have to help me, please. I need to win this race because we could win it. We could. I thought we could. And um, then we lot we, we came around through 12 into 13 and, and hit that bump. And um, my car didn't come around. I'm looking and I look over to my right and there's Mike Helm sitting uh, up against the wall the inside let driver's left wall on the front straight and lost a wheel. It was like the, the, I think it was the third hub we'd lost on the front. And I was just, we have to figure this out. I don't know why we keep losing hubs, Yeah. but I asked Robin years later, I think it was about a year, year and a half ago. I said, what would have happened? And he said he would, he, it came down to the end and I'm just like, yeah, I, I had nothing. I mean, right. it, we, if I play traffic well, but they play it twice as well. Right. And, it might have been a race, but I doubt it. it. It still would have been fun because I had never experienced anything like that, that kind of race. So all, all kidding aside, Robin, I, 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 I threw out that, that huge number of wins. But you, you, you are and your team is, if not the most successful, one of the most successful teams in all of Champ Car history. And, and as we get ready, I mean, we've talked for 51 minutes, Bill. This has been fantastic. As, as we get ready to head out, what, what do you attribute that success to? I mean, a lot of teams run a lot of races, but don't win a lot of races. So what, what is your, what is, what's the secret sauce? Or, or, or even if you could, if maybe one ingredient of the secret sauce, don't, don't tell us all of it. But I mean, what's the secret sauce? <laughs> well, we're just big, hairy, winning American, you know. <laughs> machines <laughs> you know we There's piss excellence <laughs> you know i think i, I heard get, that before i'll never get that <laughs> out of my brain yeah that was that was told to me um it's just hard work you know 
Um, and you got to learn, you, you know, it's hard work and it's a skill. Racing is a skill. Um, and it's not just, uh, the driving, it's not just what happened. You know, it's, it's from the moment that we leave the track, we're already thinking about what we're going to do at the next race. And we're constantly improving. We call it trying to stay ahead of the turn. You got to stay ahead of the turn. Mm -hmm. And then in racing, um, it's funny. We don't look like we know what we're doing. We have one of our famous R bank racing, uh, isms as they are called is it usually comes together usually, uh, you know, but it really does take a million things to go right, um, to win a race. And it only takes one thing to go wrong. So you got to try and not make that mistake when we lose, you know, you know, a lot of times we can trace it back to a mistake. We right. didn't do this. We did that wrong. We, you know, and, and another team, you know, they got their million things, right. So look at the teams that are running at the front, determine the million things they're getting right and try and get them as right. And then it comes down to execution. And, right. uh, you know, going back to that mid Ohio race that Bill was talking about to win a race. First, you got to put yourself, in a position to win a race, right? You know, there you're going to lose a lot of races that you were in the position to win, but you're never going to win one if you don't get to the position to win. Right. So you got to do all the things, you know, and that's the hardest part is getting, you know, to that where you're in the position to win. Once you've got, you know, the pace and the the pits and the strategy and the everything down, and now you're finishing top tens. Eventually one will go your way at that point. If you can keep it together, keep, and it's hard. Like, you know, you know, we've been doing this for, for, you know, to sustain it is difficult. Um, and right now, you know, we haven't been racing as much and, you know, the teams that are racing more are in fact getting ahead. You know, you got to race a lot. You got to practice a lot. You got to work a lot. You know, the, the racing ultimately is a desire game and you know and a brains game and if you've got the desire and you can you know you don't you learn from the other teams learn from your mistakes and and go out there and do it i would suggest one thing at this level that that maybe is different from at the higher up levels of endurance racing is that at this level there's often not the same person making the decisions race after race after race and sometimes there's many cooks in that kitchen trying to make the decisions. And if you don't have one person who's who's learning that and applying what they learn from one race to the next race, it's that it's that um, it's that layers of the onion of knowledge of how remembering what happened six races ago and not making the same mistake this time. And a lot of times, you know, we're getting there with our friends and our buddies. We're not always we don't have that one person doing the strategery. And from what I've heard from this conversation, you're you're the strategery person and you've done it for so many years. And that is such a positive influence on how a team makes its decisions and how it does things. And and, you know, I've always tell people, if you know, it, it's hard to get out of the car and be that person, especially when you've had the level of success that you've had behind the wheel to now step back and say, I can be that guy to make those decisions. That sounds to me a lot of what is the secret sauce to our bank racing. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, part of it is putting people in the best position to, to do their best, you know, and um, you know, on our team, for instance, there's certain guys that are just, and girls that, you know, 
the strategy appeals to them and they understand it. And therefore I can delegate it in times when I'm not there. Um, you know, you know, you've got to get a, a little bit of a brain trust of that. You've got to get a mechanic trust and a driver trust. Right. And everybody, you know, your best drivers need to be teaching your other drivers and your best strategy. People need to be teaching your best next strategy guys. You've got to learn from each other. And it's much like a football team. Um, you know, you better have a good backup quarterback too. Um, because at some point you're going to be calling upon him to, to, you know, step in and, you know, being from Pittsburgh, you know, we see a lot of good football around here um, with no, the Pitt Panthers. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the Panthers and the, and the Steelers. And we really on the team have a, you know, you know, Mike Tomlin says it all the time, you know, the standard is the standard. So, you know, we kind of expect drivers to, you know, Hey, when you're on deck, you're on deck. And when you get out of the car, you know, you, you, you know, do this and do that. And, you know, it's it, while we don't look regimented um, and we look disorganized, we all know what our role is and we do it. Robin, thank you. This has been awesome. Bill, we're not going to get done in an hour. <laughs> we talk really fast. <laughs> Robin is I mean, we can talk about, you know, you'll have to have me on again next year once people forget about this one. I do want to take one more chance to thank our sponsors. You know, our two major sponsors are 90racing.com. If you're into racing of any style, whether it's dirt or asphalt or road course and endurance, um, karting, and you have any question at all about racing, um, whether you're getting something from us or not, we're racers. We want to help racers. We want to help the sport. We want to see people out there, get on your email and shoot an email to sales at 90 racing with any racing question. If you want to know who won the 1972 Indy 500, <laughs> you write that in. I know Mark. Was Mark yeah. And if you want to know who the greatest race car driver of all time is, it's AJ Foyt. Any other questions you have, Kyle Larson is the best driver in the world right now. Any yeah. racing question on gear, what should I buy? What should I get? Even if we don't sell it, um, or you buy wait, it somewhere Wait, else. wait, wait. Even if you don't sell it, everything I've come up on the internet and said, man, I'm having a hard time finding this. I get an email. It says 90 racing.com has it. And it's at my door within two days. It's yes. insane. Yes. And free shipping, stuff. free shipping over $90. So, um, that is great for, I know that, uh, Sharon, Sharon's the boss there. I'm not, um, I know she got you a seat. Yep, um, yep. you know, you need a, a full containment seat at this day and age, you know, like here's the first bit of advice, get rid of any seat. That's not a full containment seat. Yeah. You know, protect yourself. The very, very, very first thing you need to do as your team strategician is keep all your people safe. Yep. And uh, seats cost a lot of money to ship, but not at 90 racing. There you go. And then our other sponsor, you know, came on this year and, um, you know, they've just done amazing. If you want to save on your champ car budget is Maxis tires. Um, you know, I have to say that, it, you know, Andrew uh, Johnson went out there and said, you know, um, made the relationship with Maxis and, uh, you know, it just, the, the tires are good in all conditions. Um, they, they're, 
you know, competitive with the other tire brands. And, um, you know, they give a chump card discount, chump card discount, discount of 20%. So in our case, when we run with a smaller budget, you know, the savings allow us to move that budget to other places and, um, really helps us out. Yeah. Cause so you, now, you now have a cool shirt. I thought, I thought. Correct. We do. Yeah. We do. Finally. Um, <laughs> and, um, I would really, you know, like to, you know, shout out and thanks to Maxis for helping us out. There you go. So, Robin, I've got Mario Andretti on the phone. He'd like your number. Can I share that with him? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, there is a little known clause, and I'm in no financial condition to uh, to run this uh, to 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 actually make this happen. And Andrew is in charge oh, yeah. now. But there is an R Bank rule. Um, not highly publicized till now that any former silver crown driver or IndyCar driver is, um, gets one free race with us. So send Mario around. I will. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know that he had a comeback, comeback at Indy, um, long after his, um, re- first retirement and he was running some smoking laps and there was a piece of debris in his way that caused the car to flip and yep. Michael was Michael was unhappy with him risking it and took the ride away. Mario was going to win that 500 at the age of like, yep. you know, 70 or whatever. <laughs> and he's still running the two seater. Yep. So uh, yes, yeah, so if you could send him my way, um, tell him, uh, I know that they're from Nazareth. Yep. Tell him to drive over to pit race. I think it's uh, 13 days. We'll see him there. All right, we'll see what we can do about that. He should, he should bring his bring his helmet. All right, Robin Bank from R Bank Racing, our guest this this hour and twelve and two minutes on Inside Champ Car. When we come back, uh, we are going to talk real quick about Harris Hill and Road America. That's next on Inside Champ Car. Inside Champ Car is a podcast that takes a deep dive into all things going on with the Champ Car Endurance Series. Hosted by veteran journalist, radio host, and racer Brian Belansky and Champ Car's very own Bill Strong, we talk to drivers, team bosses, tech gurus, and series supporters. Episodes air every week in time for you to listen on your way to the track. Inside Champ Car is on the Racing Wire Podcast Network, found on Apple, Spotify, Google, and most popular podcasting apps. This is Inside Champ Car. That was Robin Bank. What a great interview that was it was that's bill strong i'm brian Polanski. harris hill bill coming up harris hill and road america my home track road america two weeks yep two weeks i won't be there but i'd love to be oh my god i i will be at road america we will be doing a champ car live sorry we didn't do a champ car live this past weekend at at mid ohio uh we had some technical issues that we needed to sort out and i had to do some stuff and we had shortage of manpower so as champ car, you know, with any company, the customer comes first and the racers come first. So we have to put that race on yep. at a level that you guys are accustomed to. So that's why no show, but we will be doing a show at road America. I just talked to Polly today. He's all excited and uh, about all the work he's going to have to do. <laughs> and yeah, we, and then uh, Dana and crew are headed off to uh, Harris, Harris Hill. Hill. Yep. They've got 40 contestants ready to uh, steal all the trophies from us there. Good car numbers. Uh, that's, that, yeah, that's maxed out at that track. Okay. And, and then um, 
Oh, hold on. Let me go back here. And then at uh, Road America, we have some big numbers there. Uh, we're up to 64 cars signed up for that. Chelsea Vickery's running nice. that race. Um, I'll be there along with uh, the normal cast and crew running, uh, running the show. And it's going to be fun. So much. Fun. Hopefully no snow. Hopefully no snow. Oh, you're not going to get snow in, in September. Oh, in Texas. Okay. Texas. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> no snow in Texas. I love it. You know, global love warming it. and everything. That's good stuff. All right. So we will talk about that coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll get the results from both those races. And uh, and then I mean, we're coming kind of like the home stretch of the season here, Bill. Yeah, I, I, I've already scheduled our next guest. And we're going to do that a little early because you're going to be busy at something called the 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 runouts or something or round out roundabouts the, the runoffs <laughs> there you go runoff. and uh so we're gonna have justin heel hail hail justin okay. he, uh, he's a spec me out racer cool and uh runs with champ car so we'll be talking to him probably later this well, well it'll be on we'll soon. work it out we'll work yes. it out all right that's gonna do it for another episode of inside champ car uh subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode leave yourself uh t- tell everybody about it on social media get out there stand on top of the mountain and tell everybody about this we're having a good time putting out some really good stuff, and I think you all enjoy it. Uh, comment on the Facebook page, the Champ Car Facebook page, especially if it is a good one. If it's a bad one, go directly to Bill Strong's page. For Bill Strong, I am Brian Polanski. You are listening to the Racing Wire Podcast Network. This is Inside Champ Car. <laughs>